you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. And good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. It is a Thursday. The MLB draft is ongoing, and we've got many things to discuss, draft and otherwise. Very happy to be joined on this Thursday, as we have every week, the last couple of months now, uh, by the television voices of your San Diego Padres, Don Orsillo on the bottom, and uh, Mark Grant on top of him. Hello, boys. I've got no mud. I've got no Don. i got nobody. You're you got muted. Nothing? You're both muted. Let's go. That's not All our right. fault. Here we go. No. <laughs> That's Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan's busy doing something else. <laughs> Should Jesse, how are you? I'm great. Uh, you mentioned Ray Donovan. You're referring to Cole. Yeah. Uh, who's our, what's the term we're using here to describe Good Cole? Good guy. Cole himself so we can show people what we're talking about here with your Ray Donovan reference. He's yeah, he's let the he's let the beard go a little bushy when he kept it a little bit more trimmed. I I I, I saw him a couple of years ago. I said, "Hey, Ray Donovan, um, <laughs> he's got a little Ray Donovan in him right there." A little bit. <laughs> That's little Cole bit. pushing the buttons back at Mission Control. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate all appreciate he does. Everything and, you do, and Shannon and Nikki and everybody. Yeah. All right. So it's the uh, it's the Padres Social Hour Draft Special presented by Viasat. And as we said, a lot to get to. Let, let me start here, and we'll, we'll dive into all the picks the Padres have made. In fact, they're about to make another one uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Pirates are on the clock, and then the Padres in the fourth round. Um, but, Don, for me, and, and Mud, too, obviously, it's kind of been like a nice distraction having something normal baseball the, the last 24 hours or so. It certainly is. And, you know, they've done a very good job, I think, with the draft, uh, kind of doing what the NFL did as far as the Zoom draft, if you will. And it's it's worked out pretty well. It's been fun to watch. I know that. It's made for good TV, and uh, that's what we're all about. Uh, from a Padres standpoint, though, it's been interesting with all the high school picks uh, that have been taken so far, uh, with the exception of one now uh, out of Georgia. But, uh, it you know, going with youth here and going for the best available athlete, and that athlete being young, and also the component this year of it only being five rounds, so much different now and you take the best of the best really and it's really pretty exciting i mean otherwise you'd have 35 more rounds of guys that would slide in uh, and that part of the draft isn't quite as exciting as this one for me it's unbelievable i look at the calendar and for the calendar year we're a couple of handful of days away from halfway through 2020 and we haven't even played a game yet so usually when we start in spring training and start the season the draft is something, you know, we'll have AJ on. We'll have Mark Connor on the air during the ball game. Talk about, you know, what's going on. But none of that. Um, thank goodness for the technology these days as far as turning on MLB Network and having each and every name called. And as far as the rounds are concerned, Donald, I, I like the idea of going deep and having more rounds rather than just five. A couple of reasons. One is the kid from uh, Pig's Knuckle, Arkansas, who's got a good, you know, he doesn't get drafted. And those sometimes those guys pitch 10, 12 years in the big big leagues. The We could go up and down history of baseball and guys that have made a difference in this game, even Hall of Famers who were drafted late. So from that standpoint, that I know it's subjective and it's one person's opinion, but I wish there were more rounds, quite frankly. That's fair. Crickets. Crickets. 
<laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Mud. You know, you do. I, I mean, I I think twenty is probably reasonable. I I think I've always felt like forty. It used to be what it was fifty six, right? At one point, it was yeah, it was up there. Yeah. So I mean, I just felt like a lot of those guys never even got to double A or even out of A ball, and it just seemed like, especially now where the direction baseball is going in with the elimination of so many minor league teams, you have mm-hmm. fewer teams uh, to send these guys to instead of eight levels. I mean, you're going to lose perhaps uh, if what has been reported is correct somewhere in the neighborhood of 42 different teams that will not be affiliated anymore uh, with major league baseball, the minor league level, you just simply don't have places for these guys to play. That's true. That's that's the reality of the situation. I mean, opinions aside, that's what's happening. Um, Not that it's been officially decided or announced or anything like that, but certainly all indications are uh, there's going to be a reckoning, a, a reorganization, a big one at the minor league level, and that will have a great impact. So you're right. I mean, five, I think, is extraordinarily small. And this year, of course, one one quick thing that I I have to say, one thing I learned in two years in New York Penn League, and generally New York Penn League is a short season. It's not generally. It is or was a short season league uh, of 84 games a season. And it starts basically uh, middle to the end of June and goes through the end of the you know second half of the season, really, for the rest of the affiliates. And it is primarily guys who were just drafted in this draft uh, took place yesterday and today. They would then go in a normal year to a New York Penn League team. I was amazed by how many of those guys coming out of major college programs, your program, Jesse, at Miami especially, we had, I think, three of those guys on our team in Pittsfield with the Mets, and they just could not make the adjustment from college baseball and high school baseball to professional baseball and i can't believe how many guys get you know cannot get out of a short season a ball and can't get to the next level to me it really guys get weeded out and they really get weeded out at double a you get to that point you're closer to the big leagues than you think it's just amazing how many guys don't get there and it it adds value to the fact that guys like mud got to the major leagues because it is such a hard road to get there Mm -hmm. yeah no question about it i i do think and, and this would be a great question for mark connor maybe you know ask him next time we talk I think in today's day and age, it has narrowed the gap a little bit in terms of the adjustment into pro ball for these guys, you know, with baseball being so year round now and all these prospects showcases, and that certainly doesn't apply to every guy drafted. But if you're in the top, however many rounds, you're probably as well prepared now for that transition to pro ball than, than has ever been true in the history of baseball. And the Cape league is huge and leagues like that, that get guys ready for pro baseball. What about the late bloomers? See, I'm I'm, I'm, you know what? Maybe I'm rooting for that underdog. Maybe I'm rooting for the kid who was drafted in the 42nd round. What, a, what about the kid who was drafted at you know 185 pounds and he's 5'11"? And next thing you know, he's not drafted, and you know three years later he's six two and you know two thirty or whatever it is, and the guy's whatever. But um, it happens. You know, and and I know there's scouts out there. If if you my 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 philosophy has always been if you're good enough, no matter where you are, where you're from, they'll find you. I just like the idea of getting more kids chances to pursue that dream. Hey, you might only play rookie ball, but you know what? That's a feather in your cap. Hey, yeah, I played so and so for this team, and at least I signed I signed a professional contract and can walk away thinking, you know what? At least I got a chance. So, but but Don, you make a great point regarding the fewer teams. And that's the that's the uh, the X factor, I guess. And lastly, I'll just say on that topic is that those guys, some of the guys I was talking about, maybe the back end of the draft, maybe thirty through forty, uh, will now have the chance to play in independent league baseball. Just because mm-hmm. they're not affiliated, they'll still be there and be able to play. And I'm quite sure major league scouts will be watching those games, oh, yeah. and those guys will 
quickly be uh, back to affiliated club and get that professional contract you're talking about. Yep. No doubt. All right. Padres just made their uh, fourth round selection of the draft number 109 overall and a second consecutive pitcher uh, selected by Preller and company right-hander Levi Thomas uh, from Troy University in Alabama. So that's kind of the latest news. We'll get you a little bit more info on Levi Thomas uh, in a bit, but let's kind of recap where we are to this point in the draft. And we begin certainly with the uh, eighth overall selection for the Padres, RH3, as I started calling him last night. Robert Hassel III, uh, who the Padres selected out of high school in Tennessee, uh, an outfielder, a center fielder, a left-handed hitter. Uh, the scouting report we, we saw all last night was basically that he was the best pure prep hitter, uh, meaning high school hitter, in the entire draft. Mud, the thing that jumps right out watching the video, I mean, it's that is a sweet left-handed swing for this kid. It is. He's lanky. Um, I, he's got the wingspan. It looks like he can run decently. I like the idea that he can hit to both fields with uh, authority. Kind of gets jammed right there. Oh, it turns on the inside, got jammed a little bit there. But um, I, see, this is the thing I look at all the time. 18 years old, still maturing, not only uh, mentally but physically. So, you know, if he's putting up numbers, and once again, once he gets to pro ball, he's going to be playing against the best of the best. He is a, a guy that's going to have to make adjustments, and uh, oh, from the from the hill as well. Pretty nice mechanics right there. Nice yeah, over he the rubber. Ninety three, ninety four miles an hour. He's not going to pitch. It doesn't sound like, but it shows you a little bit of the athleticism. Yeah, and that that goes a long way. Uh, both sides, uh, offensively and uh, defensively, pitching. I like that. And you know what? To me, uh, it looks like he's got a little bulldog in him too, which is uh, which is very very key. That's from the scouts. You know, they find out. You know, talking to him and find out what his family life is like and you know, who his friends are, all that stuff they dig into. So I like it. Yeah, you know, I think the thing for me is going to be the frame and what happens to him over the years. You see guys like with that frame right now, got to remember this kid's coming from high school. That is going to change a lot. Didn't mm -hmm. have a senior year too, which may have told us a little bit more about what his power is going to project. But certainly as he gets into the minor leagues and gets into the system, he is going to grow, be stronger, and you already see how much he is filled out. Mm -hmm. That is actually uh, Justin Lang, the Padres' second pick. Uh -huh. uh, the kid okay. We'll get to, we'll get to him in a few minutes. Uh, this is uh, Robert Hassel. I was going to say that's impressive. That is really he's really grown. <laughs> uh, all good. Uh, so yeah, last night on MLB Network, uh, both AJ Preller and scouting director uh, Mark Connor joined them to talk about Robert Hassel the third. Uh, kind of go over what they saw. So we'll get to that in just a moment as you continue to see his abilities, both at the plate and on the hill. Again, listening to what those guys had to say last night in the Padre front office, sounds like he'll be a center fielder in the Padre system. Not going to get into a pitching situation with him. But again, I'm, I'm always impressed by guys who have that sort of elite athleticism and, and the ability to do all of that. All right, let's hear from both AJ and scouting director Mark Connor uh, as they break down their first pick, number eight overall, Robert Hassel III. We, we got very, I mean, I think we had multiple calls with him, his parents, uh, talking about all aspects, background, and you know, kind of his progression. Um, uh, he's been pretty, you know, he's had a lot of accolades. He's had a lot of attention. So he definitely was not one of the guys that, that's just jumped on the scene. We've had a chance to really scout him and see him. And, you know, obviously a senior got cut short, but uh, some of those background stories and stuff uh, we were able to, uh, to invest a little bit more time into. But he's been a player that we've we've seen in the, in the industry, seen for a long time now. Uh, we scouted Robert Hassel for a couple years, and uh, you know through the process, he was identified as uh, one of the better hitters to our evaluators, and uh, we, we felt very comfortable taking him uh, once once he got to us at pick eight. Uh, we really believe in Robert Hassel's ability to hit, and I think as a group, like our evaluators, uh, valued that part of his game uh, just uh, a little bit more. And like I mean, we think that we added. Uh, 
probably the best prep hitter in the class to our organization. And that's a sentiment we've heard from a lot of people uh, outside of the organization as well, that RH3, Robert Hassel, the third uh, high schooler from Tennessee, the best bat among the high school kids. He was also, interestingly, Don, the first high school kid selected in the draft. The first seven uh, picks last night in the first round, all college guys. I thought AJ probably had a really interesting comment about that, too, uh, which was basically like, you know, hey, obviously it's a weird year. These guys not able to play their full senior seasons and everything like that. He thinks uh, that if uh, we had had a year of baseball, a normal year of baseball where this kid be at high school, he wouldn't have been there uh, at number eight. So, you know, Preller, as as usual, it seems like zagging when everybody is zigging to go get his guy. Yeah, it kind of worked to his advantage a little bit in that regard uh, as a result. And that was kind of along the lines of what I was talking about, what he would do from a power standpoint this year, a year older. Senior year is a huge year for guys as far as development goes and getting ready uh, to become a professional. And and the other teams choosing to go with the track record, uh, guys who are older who played at the college level. Um, but AJ thought he got his guy. We'll find out. You know, different teams, different philosophies. You guys know this as well as anybody else, depending on where your big league club is, as far as how far you think you are away, let's face it, the Padres have an abundance of young talent that have played at the big league level and are planning on paying dividends at the big league level right now. So therefore, they maybe have a chance to take a younger player so they can nurture him and he can learn as a minor leaguer, mature a little bit more. Sure, it's always nice to have a college kid who's probably more big league ready, but maybe because of the way the Padres are right now and the abundance of players they have ready to go uh, have already played at the big league level, maybe that's why they thought of this kid uh, and, and took him when they, when they took him. Yeah, they, they loved him. That's why they took him. I mean, A.J., very disciplined always in terms of sticking with what they say, you know, best player available, not worrying about organizational depth needs or anything like that. Hello to Butter. All right, uh, the Padres' second pick. Uh, was last night also 34th overall, Justin Lang, uh, right-handed pitcher from Texas. He has apparently hit as high as 102 mm. on radar gun. Uh, that's something even today's day and age that jumps out at you a little bit. Uh, you get to see a little bit of the action right here. Another high school kid, big kid, that is Lano, Texas. And um, obviously some pretty impressive stuff coming out of his hand. Uh, this was the picture we showed you a few moments ago, too, or the kid that we showed you a few moments ago. Uh, where he has put on about 50 pounds of obviously muscle uh, in the last year. That first picture from June of 2019 at 179 uh, and in May of 2020 at 231. And the uh, that's 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 quite a transformation uh, made. And it goes again to that whole conversation, Mud, about like high school guys and bodies filling out and everything yeah. like that. You know, I mean, he's looking like he's ready to go as a professional athlete. He's still only 18 years old. And I think he's going to get – Bigger, mature more, and uh, play into his body a little bit more. The thing that stuck out to me when I saw him pitching right there, he is so quick when he takes his arm out of his glove and goes up to the top, the arm swing, from up top to right, I'll show you, right there to there. I mean, he gets up and down and through very, very quickly. And I think for a hitter, it's very, very tough to pick up a ball that way, uh, kind of a hard, high three-quarter arm slot. Um, throw, in, in, in traditionally speaking, hard throwers have a tendency to throw it across their body a little bit which can throw in some de deception too. And how about the horrible high school fields? Isn't that awesome? I love that. Uh, but here he is coming right at you over the rubber nicely and working downhill. Free and easy motion, 93. Like it. Everything I read about him for the most part is that the velocity has come as time has come. And I wonder, you know, looking at his body type, if, if you know, just him being stronger and bigger has added to that velocity, but certainly very impressive at this stage and probably will only get better as he turns professional. 
No doubt about it. All right. Uh, so those were last night's uh, picks. Robert Hassel III, who, by the way, will join us uh, coming up in a few moments. I should have mentioned that. And Justin Lang, number eight and number 34 overall. So today, day two of the draft, Padres with four more picks in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds. Second round pick was 45th overall. And here's what they did. With the 45th pick of the 2020 MLB draft, the San Diego Padres select Owen Casey, an outfielder from Notre Dame Catholic, Brampton, Ontario, Canada. The Colorado Rockies have the next pick. Has the look of your prototypical right fielder, plus raw power, can drive the ball to all fields, very strong arm. He can hit 90 miles an hour from the outfield. Uh, one of the leaders in exit velocity at the Prep Baseball Report Super 60 Showcase. That matters. Scouts love that. There are swing and miss concerns. He doesn't turn 18 until early July, so he's young. He's committed to the Michigan Wolverines. A tall and thin. There's a lot of power to tap into. Uh, he fits that outfield corner nicely. You know, uh, the Canadian uh, Junior National Program has done a really good job of producing a lot of really good bats over the last few years that have gone in the first few rounds. And uh, I, there is some hit and miss, uh, some swing and miss there, but I think he's going to hit enough uh, to, to get to that power because he is such a student, Greg, as you mentioned. Yeah, he emulates Aaron Judge's spine angle, the swing rotations of Jose Altuve and Mike Trout. Wow. Yeah, I'll take any of those comps. So Owen wow. Casey, uh, 45th overall. Another Canadian kid to join uh, Naylor and Quantrill, uh, is, uh, as you heard. I mean, they've done a tremendous job up there the last few years of starting to develop high-level uh, talent in that nation. Uh, Don, there's a lot to like in what we just heard about this kid. Yeah, there is. The comps are amazing, uh, you know, hearing that. And, and certainly, you know, being another young guy and uh, coming into this scenario, it's going to be fun to see how he matures. I mean, I, I always get a kick out of the draft. I really do. I enjoy this part of the year. Year. Uh, and I know it's fun for scouts and, and for baseball ops as well. They put so much work into this, and then it comes time to actually get your choice. I think drafts are a lot of fun. You know, I just noticed there, I think, well, he's in Toronto right there swinging a wooden yeah. bat, so I'm, I'm sure he's uh, played in some wooden bat leagues. But you know what? Remi he reminds you, right? Robert Fick. You guys remember Robert Fick? Sure. Yes, I do. Uh, Tigers, Padres, uh, just a couple of teams to mention. And you know what else I liked? In that first video we saw him, he, he singled – he took what when the Gary Matthews was going, he took off his helmet when he was running the bases. I like that. Doesn't want to be distracted, nothing getting his way. Here he is setting up. Wow, uh, long arms and just kind of um tall. Boy, long legs on the kid. The swing and miss thing, you know, eh, doesn't really concern me. I think through time he will learn. You know, you get some professional coaching and you get to uh see uh, regular pitching day in and day out in a professional level. I think he can uh, something that he can cure and take care of. So uh, if he's got some pop in that bat, hey, a swing and miss isn't all that bad once in a while. What Mud just said to me is really interesting because I feel like that's been the case for a lot of guys. I think that the minor league coaches and rovers and instructors uh, really don't get enough credit for what they do. I think guys, when they become professional and they go into the system, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And guys are really, uh, especially Mud, for you coming out of high school, I would imagine that the guys you had as pitching coaches and yeah. instructors were huge in your development. It was, Don. It was, think about it. It's an everyday job now. It's not like, you know, sure, you, you practice every Every day in high school, when the, whatever it's and it's a shorter season. But now that you're a professional, you go from spring training all the way through the end of the year, and that's a lot of baseball. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of instructions. So I can only remember when I was coming up through the Giants system, having the the names that were uh, coaches and that helped me develop. And um, I had a great ba uh, high school baseball coach who was also a pitcher who taught me quite well. But when you're doing it each and every day, and now it's your livelihood, I think that uh, under the uh, tutelage of those coaches, he should get better. The uh, two Ds, draft 
and develop. And that second one, mm-hmm. uh, you can never, ever, ever forget about the importance mm-hmm. of it because very few of these guys are uh, finished products or anything close to it, ready to go uh, to the big leagues when they're drafted. Uh, so that's Owen Casey, who, by the way, doesn't even turn 18, as you talk about giving him time to wow. mature physically and otherwise uh, until next month, which means, by the way, he was dra- uh, born in 2002. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Born in 2002. So that's Owen Casey, the uh, Canadian left-handed hitter with Pop, second-round pick. Padres' third-round selection today. Uh, was 80th overall is a right-handed pitcher from the University of Georgia. He's a Bulldog. Uh, Cole Wilcox, and this is a large human being. Six foot five, 232, and just major, major stuff. Here's some more on Wilcox. With the 80th pick of the 2020 MLB draft, the San Diego Padres select right-handed pitcher Cole Wilcox from the University of Georgia. The Colorado Rockies have the next pick. Kid's huge, 6'5", 232 pounds, draft-eligible sophomore, made only 10 starts in his college career, but has him going this high. Some of the best pure stuff in the draft. Basketball, mid to upper 90s, touches 100. He split his freshman year in Georgia between the rotation and the bullpen, but struggled with his command. He walked nearly six batters per nine innings, took a huge step forward with four starts this season. 3-0 with a 1.57 ERA. But I'm assuming they're going to sign him. It's great stuff. 92, 97, up to 100 with some life. His changeup and his slider can be plus pitches at times. The question that, that, that Cole's going to have to address at the next level is cleaning up his delivery a little bit. There's some effort in his delivery. It's a long arm action. Guys see the ball well, and he gets hit a little bit more than he should because he doesn't command stuff as well as he could and because hitters get a good look at it. But in terms of stuff, you should not be getting this kind of stuff in the third round. Uh, I'm all for drafting stuff, Don. I, I'm all in on that, especially in the third round. Yeah, no question about it. It sounds like, you know, here's another thing where they can develop this guy. I mean, they certainly can harness it. He talked about some of the wildness that he's had, a lot of walks. It just seems like he needs to be developed. Uh, But they see enough here that they're excited about what he could be. And that's all about how great these guys are at evaluating. And I, I trust they know what they're doing. Well, he's got, uh, I just noticed a couple of breaking balls there. He gets on top of it, snaps it off well. Big and burly. I love that. The big ham hocks. Gotta love that. Um, no pun intended. He went to Georgia, right? So you're right, Jesse. He does got some bulldog in him as well, it looks like. Um, I, I just think, once again, each and every day when you're in the professional ranks, you have that chance of getting better. And um, I think – let's look at this again one time over the rubber. Nice. Yeah, that's a nice tight breaking ball right there. Um, I like the shoulders. I mean, look at that midsection. I mean, that tells you a lot, too. He's a, he's a guy that's probably going to, you know, through time, give you a lot of innings as well. He's going to be a, a workhorse. Got a call there. My goodness. I like this kid, though. He does have some bulldog. No pun intended, it looks like. He's got some fire in his belly. So that is uh, Cole Wilcox, 6'5", 232, the Padres' third-round pick, uh, number 80 overalls. So that was their last selection. As uh, mentioned, we got a little bit more information on Cole Wilcox that came from the different places as, uh, you know, we keep hearing stuff. That's that's what you keep hearing about him. There are things to clean up. I would hope so. He's a 20-year-old kid or whatever who's just pitched a couple of seasons, not even full seasons at the University of Georgia. Uh, Keith Law, the athletics at the Padres, just took the top guy remaining on my board from day one. That's a first-round talent in the third round. Uh, and then from Baseball America, we hear this, J.J. Cooper writing, Padres keep doing this using bonus pool to do some work. Cole Wilcox, a late first-round talent who the Padres just nabbed in the third round. 
Last year, the Padres drafted and signed Hudson Head uh, for $3 million in the third round. So uh, more love coming from around the nation uh, for A.J. Preller, Mark Connor, and their uh, staff, which is a gigantic group of incredibly talented, hardworking people as they put this thing together. So that was uh, third round pick. Padres made their fourth round selection as uh, just uh, you probably were with us when, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes ago at this point. Uh, Levi Thomas, right-hander from Troy, uh, the Trojan. And the scouting report that I have pulled up on him from our friends at MLB.com uh, says he helped his cause this spring by logging a 0.39 ERA in 23 innings over four starts, including a gem in which he blanked number one Florida for six innings. Features a high spin rate fastball, gets swings and misses up in the zone, 88 to 94 on the heater, and gets good depth on his breaker. Deception in his slingy delivery, but it does not prevent him from throwing strikes. I also saw, I think AJ Casavell tweeted this, uh, just a, a video of him coming off the mound after a big strikeout. He, he gets fired up, Don. He's one of those guys. I, I know we, we as announcers appreciate those types. Yeah, you like the guys that get fired up. Let me see if he can translate that into a professional career and whether he continues to do that at the professional level because, as Mud points out, the competition gets a little different at this level. And with a kid with that type of stuff, stuff is one thing, but are you able to utilize it and want to throw it over the plate and challenge hitters? I'll take that rather than being a little tentative. Nothing more, nothing drives scouts more crazy than when you've got a kid who's blown 98, 99, he's afraid to throw strikes or trying to nitpick. Um, this kid has the ability, it looks like, to go not be afraid to go after hitters, and I like that. Absolutely. All right. As mentioned, the guy leading the draft class for the Padres, uh, the first-round pick, number eight overall, is Robert Hassel the third center fielder, left-handed hitter, Great bat uh, from high school in Tennessee. Earlier this afternoon, I had the opportunity to visit with him now that things have calmed down a little bit, and we got to know the Padres' first-round selection in this 2020 draft. Padres' first-round draft pick, number eight overall, Robert Hassel III joining us. And, Robert, first off, congratulations. What has the day after been like for you? It's been a lot more relaxed. Um, you know, obviously when it happens the day of yesterday, it was a lot, it was a whole lot going on. It was, my mind was everywhere, but got some sleep, woke up this morning. Everything was a lot more relaxed. I got to take it in. Um, so it was, it was, it was really cool. We got to see a piece of yesterday when you got drafted, the video of you and the family, very special, obviously. What was the rest of the night like that we didn't get an opportunity to eavesdrop on? Everybody was kind of hanging out. Um, I got a chance to talk to everybody that I was, you know, I was busy before with all the camera work and getting everything ready and that sort of deal. So I was just kind of enjoying the time with the people that were there afterwards. Oh, very special, obviously. I'm glad it's calmed down for you a little bit here today. That gives us an opportunity to talk some baseball. 2020, of course, is uh, not been a normal year for a billion different reasons. What has it been like for you, you know, these last few months, not having school, not having baseball? Well, not having the high school season, uh, it hurt, um, you know, just because it, that was going to be an everyday thing. It was going to be fun my senior year, that, that sort of deal. But, you know, I had to come to terms with, you know, it, it's out of my control um, pretty quick. And, uh, you know, it was like, am I going to just sit here and dwell on it and, and not do anything to get better? Or am I going to be around baseball, um, go hit, lift every day, that sort of deal, and, and be able to get better? Um, so, the, you know, I had to – 
it, like I said, it sucks not not having the high school season, but um, you know, I'm still able to to get the work in that I need to do, and uh, you know, keep myself sane, being around baseball as much as I could every day, and um, getting better. But it, but not too bad. I can't complain. All right. So all things considered, you don't get to play your senior year. You're still taken eighth overall. That's a that's a pretty significant accomplishment. First high school player to be selected in the draft this year. At what point in your life did uh, the possibility of being a first round pick become realistic to you and your family? Well, I remember, I mean, my dad would tell you he, he had heard from, you know, people would joke around. I mean, they weren't joking, but he thought they were joking around with them telling, you know, the, him, you know, your son could be a first round draft pick, all that when I was. 10, 11 years old, but he never really believed it because it was like, you know, it's so far away. Um, but after this summer, after what I had done and stuff, you know, we, we figured and we had talked with my advisors and stuff like that. And, you know, it was a real possibility. Um, and so I would have to say around August ish, I was like, you know, I could really do this thing. What did that do to your mentality at that point? I mean, was it a moment to lock in even more? Was it a focus thing? Were you already kind of where you needed to be? How, how did things change, if at all, at that point? Well, for me, it's never been, you know, the main thing is never been satisfied. So that gave me, you know, all the motivation in the world to work even harder, work as hard as I could. Um, you know, even if it was set in stone and I was going to be a first rounder back in August. I mean, I w- I'm glad I didn't know that because... You know, I don't. I never want to get satisfied, and I always want to, you know, keep grinding, keep grinding for everything. Did you have a sense that the the Padres could be in play at number eight? How much communication took place uh, beforehand? I guess. The past couple of weeks, I've talked to them quite a few times with a lot of the front office guys. So I, I figured, you know, they were a real possibility. I knew they were interested. The Zoom calls went well. Um, got a chance to talk to talk to them not in zoom calls just regular phone calls texts and stuff like that so i figured that they were in the running for sure at that point you know were you like all right let me let me dig into the padres a little bit let me check out the organizational depth chart that kind of stuff were you already familiar with some of the names here tell us about your familiarity with the uh, organization prior to last night yeah so i mean I still have a lot to learn about the organization and I'm sure, you know, once I get to where I'm going to be, um, I'll learn a lot more. Um, but you know, I've been to San Diego a couple of times. I've played at Petco park. Um, and it's everything, <laughs> it's everything anybody would love. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Weather's nice out there. Um, the, the stadium is, is beautiful. The scenery is beautiful. Um, and as for the team, you know, they, they're, they're, very, very, just like uh, AJ Preller told me, they're very, very close to, and they think they have the talents um, to to turn this thing around and start, you know, really going on the right path. Not that they weren't, but you know, you know, when he thinks they have the tools to win a lot. Um, so once I heard that, you know, it gave me, yeah, I like that, um, and you know, I, there's not really, I'm not picky, so I think I can fit in any any predicament, any situation that I put in, um, but you know. San Diego was definitely definitely a dream once I once I played there and got around the place and uh, you know got to got to see the city it was it was definitely where I wanted to be. No, I'm glad you have some experience uh, with uh, San Diego. Let's talk a little bit about Tennessee. You said something really interesting in one of your uh, media availabilities last night. I thought about sort of being almost by default under the radar a little bit because you are in Tennessee as opposed to one of the hotbeds uh, in Southern California or Florida, Georgia, Texas. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, if you would, your, your prep experience. I mean, look, we've seen you on ESPN since you were 12. So you weren't completely under the radar by any stretch of the imagination, uh, right. but maybe the difference in, in, you know, your experience growing up in, in Tennessee as opposed to some of those other places. 
Well, for me, I mean, I, I never really saw a reason. Me, me and my dad, you know, we, we never really saw a reason to uh, play on these national teams when I was 11 and 12. And, and um, you know, maybe I – or 13, 14, whatever. And maybe I should have, but I didn't. I kind of played locally around here in Nashville. Um, just and, and, you know, that's what I enjoyed doing. And we still go to those tournaments, um, those events that were everybody was going to. But I was just on a local team that not, you know, not really – a lot of people knew about um so and you know and like you said i was on i played in the little girl tears when i was 11 and 12 so i'm not saying uh, i'm you know under the radar by any means but tennessee as a whole i think is overlooked um so it was it was tougher you know as opposed to like living in florida or texas or you know california like you said um but it definitely i definitely carried a chip on my shoulder living here and knowing that in the back of my head um you know, it, it made me, you know, feel more confidence, really. It made me have that chip on my shoulder going to these events. You know, who's this kid from Franklin, Tennessee? You know, it was like, you know, I'm going to show you. So that's what I felt about it. You sound a little bit to me like uh, the Padre pitcher, Chris Paddock. He finds a chip on his shoulder no matter what the situation, and he uses it very well to his advantage. So I think what you're saying is going to resonate with a lot of Padre fans, certainly, as he became a, a big fan favorite last year. Tell us a little bit more about you, like the the human, the person, the guy. You know, we, we can read the scouting reports and see best pure left-handed bat, best pure bat in the draft among all the high school kids. What else interests you in the world besides baseball? Are you a Titans fan? Like, give me a sense of, of what, what your world is all about. I'm not – I mean, I guess I'm a Titans fan. Um, I don't watch a lot of, you know, NFL games or anything like that. But uh, I, I honestly, I like watching football, but I like watching college football more. Um I like watching NBA, the NBA. I watch that some uh, quite a bit, honestly. Play a lot of video games. I'll go fishing. Um, there's not not a ton around here to do except uh, where I'm at, really, except to uh, go fishing or, or go shoot some hoops or something like that. But that really interests me. And, and you know, I'm, of course, spending time with my family and my friends. I had a girlfriend. Um, uh, so I'm actually at her house right now doing this. So, um <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, just hanging out with the people that, you know, are around me. And that's the main thing, just having fun with whatever we can do. Recently, with all the COVID stuff, you know, I've gone fishing quite a bit. Um, and I've mainly been doing baseball-related stuff, and that's me, period. But, um, but you know, that takes up most of my time. But other than that, not, nothing nothing too out of the ordinary, just, just a regular teenage kid. A lot of video games, hanging out with friends, go fishing, movies, whatever, you know. You can also hit the ball a mile and throw it 90-something miles an hour. It's a pretty cool deal. Um, <laughs> along all those lines, did I hear correctly last night that you are banned from the family Yahtzee game? Is that right? I, I think I might have. I think they might have lifted the ban, but but yes, for a while there I was. Yeah, it's and, and that's just me. That's why like I'm just wired for baseball, um, and that's why I'm I'm wired for working hard and stuff. And I, I really believe that because I'm super competitive. If it, there's a bunch of pictures of me when I was little, and you would have thought, man, this guy looks miserable. Like he's just so serious. He doesn't smile. And I, and that's true. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really smile when I was little. I was always serious, super competitive. And, um, yeah, we play board games and, um, just like I said, last night, I'll go over it again, but Yahtzee is a, you know, if you played it, it's a, it's a luck based game. It doesn't really take a whole lot of skill besides like where you're putting numbers and stuff, which in my opinion, that's not really skill, but, it, it frustrated me so it would frustrate me so much because it was like it didn't take skill so it was all luck so it wasn't like all right the best man wins it was just the luckiest person wins so 
yeah, I would get mad. I would get pretty mad and, and I couldn't really ever have fun with it because I'm just a winner. I like winning. So it was tough. And yeah, I got banned for a little while. I did, which was, which was probably, probably good for me before, you know, something started happening. That was not good. My dad's the same way too. My dad's the same way. Uh, maybe maybe a good lesson in there somewhere, but I, I think fans certainly love hearing about uh, their guy being so competitive he gets kicked out of board game night uh, with the family. Last thing for you, uh, Ryan Weathers, who the Padres selected in the first round a couple of years ago, uh, pitcher, uh, also a Tennessee guy. We touched base with him last night, and you guys uh, give us the story of your connection. I guess a couple of years ago you played on a team together in a tournament. Is that right? Right. And, uh, you know, one of the first days I met Weathers, um, we were going over there. And I was the youngest. It was a tournament, and it was with the high schoolers. And I was a freshman. I was the youngest player on the team. And we, I was at this host, my host family's house. Um, me and my buddy, we were roommates, Rudy Maxwell. We were rooming together. And Rudy wanted the whole – he's a big dude. He wanted the, he wanted the bed to himself. And the only thing that I could sleep on was a big baby crib. So they made the players and, and weather specifically made me sleep on the baby crib just as a joke. Like, look, you're the youngest guy on the team. You're going to sleep here. And it was really, it was pretty comfortable, but it was just the fact that I was sleeping in the crib. Um, so yeah, one of the first impressions I got of him, he was making fun of me for sleeping in the baby crib, which was, which was, yeah, that was really funny. It's we, we were joking around on Fortnite the other day laughing about that, but yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. He's been a great friend to me throughout this process. Very helpful. Um, and, you know, it's, I can't wait to be around him again. Can't wait. Well, that is a great story, and I have a feeling it is not the last time we will hear it told uh, with both <laughs> you guys in the Padre system. Uh, hey, man, again, congratulations on everything. Uh, it's obviously the culmination of a, a lifelong dream, I know, for you and the family. Uh, now the real work begins, but uh, clearly you are ready for it. So congrats again, and thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Robert Hassel III, Padres, first round selection number eight overall in the 2020 draft. Thanks again to Robert for spending some time with us earlier. Bring back Don and Mud. Uh, two things stand out to me from that, guys. Obviously, uh, feel free to share what you liked. One was getting kicked out of the Yahtzee game in the living room, which is, I, I love it. Love, very relatable, too, for me. Uh, and then uh, Ryan Weathers, Mud, making him sleep in a crib. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, the kid's going to do just fine. I mean, I love his attitude. I love his competitiveness. He reminds me kind of like John Smoltz. I've always said when I spoke of John Smoltz, he wants to beat you at jacks. He wants to beat you at anything that is competitive. So that's a good sign. Uh, this kid, he's he's a good egg. He wants to get better. He wants to be the best. And quite frankly, Don, I'll throw it to you after I make this statement, but He's the type of kid I want on my lineup if I'm pitching and uh, he's playing behind me because he wants to be the best and he wants to win. Yeah, I was impressed. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and no doubt about that. Uh, the thought process and and how locked he was into this whole situation, uh, you know, and and the fact that the Padres kind of I don't want to say recruited him, but at least let him know that uh, they were interested uh, in communication with him, getting ready for this uh, possible draft situation. But yeah, the Yahtzee thing really does stick out. <laughs> there's uh, competitors, and then there's being thrown out of the family game and banned. He was banned for a while, so yeah, that stands out for sure. Yeah, there's probably a fair amount of leeway you get before it comes to that, you know, as like the the sun and then still to be able to get to that point. The other thing, Don, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, I think, in, in what you were saying is you and I have talked to plenty of kids and interviewed them uh, who have been drafted or even guys who are in the minor leagues. It's pretty rare to find someone who looks as comfortable as he did having this kind of conversation. It didn't seem to phase no. him in any way. 
At his age, especially. I mean, yeah. I know the draft choices we've talked to over the years, uh, the first rounders that have come in, they're they're not there yet. They're not ready to do interviews live on TV. And we've we've had a few. Uh, and, and those guys, then they go off to the minor leagues and it takes a few years. And then you come back and see him again. I think of Mackenzie Gore. I think of Cal Quantrill and some of those guys we met early uh, that weren't quite as polished as they certainly are now. Uh, but that just comes with maturing and getting older for sure. I think it shows some confidence as well. And, um, you know, growing up in a family, I'm sure they're, they're, uh, his mom and dad and family are very, uh, you know, gregarious people and have no problem speaking in public or talking to people in general. But um, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. And I think, like Don said, if, if you're like that, like he is, I mean, he said all the right things and said it very eloquently and very nicely. Uh, he should have no problem when it comes to, you know, standing in front of cameras after a game. No doubt about that. All right. So again, congratulations, Robert Hassel, the third. Uh, we'll get to know him more and more in the next few years and hopefully see him in the big league sooner rather than later. All right. We've been spending an awful lot of time today, obviously, with the draft going on, talking about guys who are born in 2001 or 2002. We're going to turn back the clock a little bit, talk about a guy who was born in the 1940s and who continued to pitch into the 1990s, uh, the ageless wonder, the Hall of Famer, Nolan Ryan, because on this date in 1990, 43-year-old Nolan Ryan threw his sixth no-hitter and look, he didn't do this against some last place team. Uh, this A's squad, of course, would go on to win the American League pennant uh, in 1990. 14 strikeouts, his sixth no-hitter. What a remarkable accomplishment and obviously career don for this guy. Unbelievable. You know, and and I, it's funny because we, we talk a lot about the radar guns and, and the uh, how they were then compared to how they are now. And I've been told by many guys who faced him that they felt like he was upwards to 103 to 104 and that these guys today is where, he, you know, he was above those guys. Uh, same for J.R. Richard, some of the other guys when the guns were different. Mud, you tell me, though. I mean, his stuff was explosive. Yes. Italy. It was. Um, you are exactly right, Don. Back in the day, the radar guns measured the speed of the ball at home plate. In fact, there's a great documentary out there. I believe I forgot which uh, what it's on, but uh, it's called Fastball, and it gives you the history of the fastball. It talks about Ryan, talks about Bob Feller, talks about other guys too. Um, very explosive. And I was lucky enough to when he was starting with the Houston Astros, I was with the Padres, so we we locked horns. So I got to get an at bat against Nolan Ryan. And uh, it, it, it sounded like a fastball. It sounded like a strike when I was in there. And then he put me away on a curveball. I nearly dug myself into the ground and because it was coming right from my melon. And I, I kind of turned away. And next, I looked back, and uh, Alan Ashby has got it framed on the outside corner for straight three. So that was quite an experience getting able to uh, – being able to, to uh, bat against Nolan Ryan. But the amazing thing for me about Ryan – 73, 74, and 75, he had no hitters. Then one in 81. That no-hitter we saw was nine years after his last no-hitter. And then he went on to throw another one in 1991. Incredible. And there are great pitchers in the game, Hall of Fame pitchers in the game, who never threw a no-hitter. And yeah. he's got all these no-hitters. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was like 130 pitches. It wasn't anything obscene that night with 14 strikeouts. Uh, just dominant. And again, you know, an A's lineup riddled with all-stars, uh, you know, from Ricky on down. We, we talk about uh, – it's uh, it's usually brought up on this day in baseball history. The game where Ryan, I think, went 14 innings and he threw 230-some pitches, I think, when he was with the Angels. 
Yeah, I, I told the story. It was uh, a couple shows ago uh, when he was with the Rangers and in their front office. It, it was his opinion for a little while that they were going to have their starters go at least 120 pitches every time out and extend them mm. and try to get through that year. It didn't work out all that well for him. A lot of guys broke down, but his, his whole theory was, listen, I did it. It'll strengthen your arm. Let's go a different direction than the other baseball ops places. I'm curious if AJ was there then. He might have been, which would be interesting to see. Yeah. I've I, I've floated a theory out there at some point. They should some team should experiment with a couple of guys in their system, pitchers. You know, just kind of pick them based on body type or something like that, and say we're going to treat these guys' arms differently than we do most yeah. everybody else. You'd have to be really careful about who you selected. They were kind of built for it, and just see what happens. Roger Clemens, uh, yeah. you know, guys but, like that. But you look at the, look at that era, guys. Even I can speak. I can speak from experience. In high school, we didn't have a pitch count. I remember yeah. my pitching coach saying, you're going seven tonight, big boy. And guess what? If it's 130, you know, whatever, you're going. And what do you, think, I, you what, got what the ball in the first, and you shook your catcher's hand in the seventh. What's that? What do you think the most number of pitches you've ever thrown in one game was? High probably school, 100, probably, whatever. Uh, probably 130. I think 130, 100, maybe 132. But I think it started. My point is, it starts from a younger age because I remember little league. I remember did nothing but throw, 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 throw. Pony league, throw, 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 throw. High school, uh, my my rookie season in pro ball in a ball, nineteen eighty two in Clinton, Iowa. I threw one hundred ninety eight innings as an eighteen year old. Scouting director, we had fired these days if that happened. <laughs> they wouldn't have let you. They, you wouldn't. No, have got- they would No, they wouldn't have let me. It's, it's incredible. Mm, incredible. My arm's still killing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows what would have been had they uh, babied the arm a little bit more or treated it a little bit more respect I, I see why they're taking this out there's so yeah. much money out there they want to pay dividends for a long time in the big leagues i get it yeah all right uh one thing we've been doing uh, during these quarantine times as we brought the show back was uh is to follow the kbo the korea baseball organization yes. and our kt Wiz, who got off the schneid yesterday so we got the kbo gladness report ah. uh, Vic and dory are happy because the Wiz snapped their six game losing streak last night with a 13 to 8 win over matt williams uh kia tigers this was much needed uh you see mel rojas there he had a great game at the plate mel rojas jr that is he was four for five with a bomb uh, the other good news is uh, the other best hitter besides Rojas is the first baseman, Kung Bak Ho. Uh, he had been out with a wrist injury for a while, and uh, he returned this week, finally got going. That's him. Uh, last night he homered and went three for five in the game. So hopefully this is the start of a good run uh, for our mm. KT Wiz. They are not in last place, guys, in the KBO, uh, thanks exclusively to the Hanwha Eagles, who have now lost 17 consecutive come on wow are they trying i don't they they so last week last weekend in the middle of all of this uh the manager fired the entire coaching staff or most of the coaching staff then they lost again he resigned after the next game the manager because he's like i just fired all these guys and we keep losing and then the new manager comes in they sent 10 guys on their roster to the minor leagues and called up nine new ones um, you know, to try and get something going. That's that shaking it up. Worked. They continue to lose. They are now seven and twenty-six on the season. So I dug into losing streaks because I was like curious. You know, I was thinking about it. The uh, modern major league record for longest losing streaks uh, since 1900. 1961 Phillies were terrible. Obviously, I guess lost 23 in a row. Which is, I mean, that takes you almost a month. It was like July. Uh, the Orioles lost 23 in a row too, Nin- didn't they? To start 1980. The 1988, the Orioles started off like 0-23 or 0-24. Hal Ripken yeah. Sr. got fired in the midst of all that. In the middle of it, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then, uh, so for the Padres, 
The 69 Padres, an expansion team, obviously not great. The most they ever lost in a row was 11. Uh, Padre record is from May of 94, 13 consecutive losses. But the Hanwha Eagles have now gone down 17 Mm. straight. Don is a broadcaster. That is not (laughs) enjoyable. No, you may find out how you're going to lose tonight. There you go. Every day. <laughs> How's this going to happen today? Here we go. In a row. Hey, how does the postseason work there? Are your guys got a shot? Are we on the edge of? Uh... No, we're the, they're in ninth place out of 10. Um, they got to get it going. They got to so get they it don't going. take nine teams is what you're saying? No, they don't. The post, no. <laughs> but it is interesting. I'm going to mess up the numbers. I think it's the first five or six do make it. The, the first place team, though, gets a bye all the way to the finals. Wow. And then everybody else kind of fights it out underneath that. Um, yeah. And so you wait around, you know, it can be for quite important to the top spot. You know, yeah. you know what that's like? That's <laughs> like the, uh, the Connie Mac world series in Farmington, New Mexico, where the home team always gets a bid in the tournament. They don't have to play in the tournament, but when everybody else busts their tails throughout the country to win and win and win Farmington hosts it, they get a team there in the tournament. Thank you very much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a little that. different because it's the first place team, not the host team. But yeah, yeah. they get they get the bid all the way through yeah. to the finals. Um, it's funny because I was we were talking to I forget who it was. We were talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about that, and I asked like, is that perceived in any way as a disadvantage? Just having to sit around. We talk about that sometimes with the World Series. You know, the one team has to wait four days or whatever it is. Uh, and they said, yeah, there's definitely talk about that there. But at the end of the day, it's such a huge advantage. You do whatever you have to from a pitching standpoint to. Uh, to stay ready. Buys could be something we see in the postseason in MLB at some point, Don. So very interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, 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 2007, uh, Colorado Rockies to me stands out as the biggest example of a team that had to sit around and wait. You'll remember <clears throat> after the 07 one game playoff against the Padres, uh, prior to that, they had won 21 of their last 23. They were pretty much out of it. They come back. They ended up in uh, the World Series against the Red Sox, but they waited eight days between the NLCS and to start the World Series. That is more than, at the time, two All-Star breaks at three days each. And it just, they're hitting. They, they never hit the entire series, and they were swept. It was To me, it was the biggest indication of what time off does to a major league hitter to mess with their timing. Uh, it stood out to me because that team was on fire. What are some of the things, Mud, you think best allow a team to try and stay sharp? Hitters especially, you know, during a long layoff like that. You know what? The intensity level is never going to be the same. And, you know, as Don was just giving that explanation, did the Rockies do this? Did they – I just thought of this. Have your minor league team come in. Have a minor league team come in and play them inter-squad games or something. They scrimmaged each other is what they did. They did? Yeah, they played each other. That's what they were doing. Okay. I mean, it just it, it didn't it didn't work. I mean, yeah, they had the, swept in the first round. They swept the Philadelphia Phillies. It was a joke. And that Phillies team was the the, the one of the best teams they've ever put on the field. I mean, you had Ryan Howard, you had Chase mm-hmm. Utley, you had Rollins, all those guys, and right through, no problem, not a the problem in, at all. The intensity level will never be the same. I mean, you guys know that, and the, the crowd, and you, you get the batting cage up, and you have a simulated game. It's not the same. No, it's just not. You're you're not going to stay sharp. Yeah. So that's the that's the system in the KBO. And again, they expand the playoffs in MLB. Certainly a real possibility at some point in the not too distant future. We do see uh, a major league postseason with buys or a, a buy, a single buy. Don, it's like you and I remember we were doing those games. It's not a real game. We're not as sharp, man. No. Plenty sharp. About, or, huh? You were plenty definitely sharp. not as sharp. Uh, it's eyewash. It's eyewash. It's eyewash. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the mistakes I made in those games. I had no oh, idea what was going on. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah, really we bad all, feeling when you look down and you have no the idea what's going were on. Awesome. Guys are running around and you have no <laughs> idea what's happening. Home runs didn't count. No. How about that? I'll never get over that one. Uh, it goes over the fence. That's a home run in every rule book I know of in Major League Baseball. Not arguing. bounce? No. No. Straight no, up. It went out of the park yeah. over the fence and was ruled a double. Yeah. yeah nobody argued. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a remarkable, by the way. Padres never lost uh, one game yeah. you guys did on those virtual games. Uh, let's no. see. Uh, just real quick, because Brian asks, uh, no is the short answer to that question. I haven't seen anything today. Um, you know, they're talking, which is good. Uh, there seems to be communication, which is better than no communication. Uh, we'll wait and see. Um, there's really nothing much new to add. You know, I mean, we're at that point where each side seems to have one thing they're not willing to give on uh, from the player's standpoint. They want their full pro rata. They want the, you know, the prorated pay based upon the number of games. MLB's uh, thing they seem most dug in on is ending the season September 27th, the regular season, and not extending the postseason into November. Uh, so hopefully they're able to, to come to some sort of agreement in the middle. We'll, we'll find out. But that's really all we've got. Nothing new. Uh, we talked about the, the lack of intensity in those uh, fake games, a time, of course, uh, when there is uh, no such lack of intensity as the postseason. And in 1998 for the Padres, Jim Laritz was all kinds of locked in. He's got tonight's Padres memorable Jack. That was this week's memorable Padres Jack presented by Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box is open and ready to serve you all of your favorites at the drive-thru on the mobile app and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during tonight's show will win a Jack cash card. So let us know that you are watching. Jim Laritz was very much one of those guys in the postseason. It's a, it's a remarkable thing, Don. You know, there's, there's a, a good handful of them every decade, I guess. Uh, guys who are good players, very solid at times, maybe even, you know, all-star type guys. But when October rolls around, they just uh, seem to be in the middle of everything. Yeah, the king, uh, as he was known throughout his career. Um, he, he was something else. I had a chance to be around him one season. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you look back at that 98 team and it's amazing. I hit it. I knew about all the other guys on that team, but I really did not know much about Jim Laird. You think of all the stars that they had, the Vaughns, uh, Gwynn, obviously, Caminetti. But, I mean, here's this guy who steps up in the postseason the way he did and brought it to another level. He was pretty special. Guy could crush a mistake. Don't hang him a slider or get him in a fastball count because he will put a hurting on you. And yes, the king, the king. Long, I remember. I remember Jim Laird's hit a home run, big time home run. It was late in a game. This was like nineteen ninety, might have been ninety eight. And uh, Mel Proctor was doing the play by play, and he just started screaming, "The king, the king! Long live the king!" <laughs> <laughs> I think he pulled a hamstring on that call, but no, he, you know what? Playing in New York, went from New York, other teams back to New York, correct? Because he was in New yeah. York in '95 against the, um, or no, against the uh, the Braves when they when they uh, they beat the Yankees beat the Braves in the World Series. Then yeah. after the Padres, I believe he had one more stint with the Yankees. So 
playing in the Big Apple, you know, under the pressure and stuff like that. You know, guys thrive on that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was a Yankee uh, parts of 1990 through 96, and then back with the Yankees 99 and 2000. Look at you, stuff. Jesse. Well, it's, you got a computer. It's yeah. easy. I know it's great. It's not complicated. Uh, so that's uh, that's our uh, memorable Jack tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. Coming up at seven, uh, a game from uh, not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, in fact, uh, Sunday afternoon interleague matchup uh, from August of 2018. At, uh, that's going to go. How about that, Hunter? Sneak one over the left field fence. Uh, this would be a walk-off win in a dramatic fashion for the Padres. So you can check that out coming up on Fox Sports San Diego tonight at 7. Guys, we've got the uh, Friday game. Uh, sorry, the uh, Friday show tomorrow. A little bit different no again. Game. Yes? No game. No game. What do we got? Whatever uh, well, it is, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, what was the best of social hour this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the drafted uh, players that are coming in, and we will have a chance to uh, listen in on several of Jesse's interviews with those guys. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. I love Friar Friday. Mm. It's awesome. All right. Mud, oh, and I think I'm getting that. Jack in the box, which is even better. Oh, supposed to come tomorrow night I'm, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming over tomorrow night then. Uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna meet him before he gets to your house. <laughs> you had it last exactly. week. This is what he gets. Oh, Donnie. It's so good. Is it? Yeah. Big big box, I hope. Oh. oh. You going to slap some cheese on it, Donnie? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be rolling in it. <laughs> that's uh friar friday tomorrow at 5 30 uh gentlemen always a, a treat and a pleasure thank you jesse thank, thank you, you. donnie you. always a pressure good to see you good, good to your see mustache. You, <laughs> yeah you like that it's awesome on you <laughs> when when yeah <laughs> i watch. Uh, I watch. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.